if someone is listening. I know they probably aren't, but that's okay. Because I'm just going to talk to myself now. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to start this. The urge, like, the 7.30pm Wednesday night urge to start a podcast and, like, hyper fixate on it is, like, it's real. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, who knows how long this will last? I don't know. I might give up on it, but, you know, it seemed fun. Yeah. This is gonna be fun. Um, my voice, um, I've been sick for the past few days, and I have COVID, um, so it, I sound like, I, I, oh, there's my sister coughing in the background. I sound like I'm gonna, no, I don't. The other day I sounded like I was gonna burst into tears, like, any time I was talking. You know, like, casual middle school puberty boy voice. It's just, like, loud and squeaky. Not loud, like, high-pitched and squeaky. I'm loud anyway. It's fine. I talk really loud. Um, but, yeah, I'm doing better now. Except we were supposed to leave for Costa Rica last night. I tested positive yesterday morning. I test I tested negative all weekend. And then the day we're supposed to leave, I test positive. That's not fair. Uh and then we had we went through this whole thing of like canceling it, like canceling our flight and our car and stuff. It was really chaotic and everyone was upset. But yeah, I was really upset, especially. I felt like it was my fault. Everyone told me it wasn't, but you know. A bunch of people telling you something over and over makes you feel like the opposite is true. But yeah, I feel better now. Um, I made cinnamon buns today. They don't really taste good. Like, in the dress, the, like, not the dressing, the icing, it's very gross, and the cinnamon buns are kind of tasteless. I don't know, it's fun to knead the dough, though, like, just smushing it across my counter. It's very good for relieving stress, I suppose. But, yeah. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of TV shows recently. Well, I mean, I can't I can't go to school or anything. There's nothing else to do. Like this whole week. It's draining for some reason. Just watching shows over and over, like watching like changing shows every 2 seconds. It's I don't know. It's tiring to me for some reason. But um, one show I haven't rewatched or like watched another episode of is like, is It's Good Omens. That's my favorite show. 
or one of them. I have a lot of favorite shows. But that's one of my top five. Season two is coming out, like, soon. I don't know. I don't think I'm mentally prepared for it. Physically or mentally. I think the days leading up to its release, I'm going to be, like, no one should come near me. I'm going to be a human tornado. Flinging my arms around and stuff. I can't wait for their love story to progress. Which brings me to the main topic that I wanted to address today. I sound like such a podcaster already. It's insane. I'm joking. I sound like a 14-year-old kid sitting in a squeaky, spinny chair at a crusty desk in a shared bedroom. Anyway... The fact that some people think, a lot of people think actually, most people, yeah, most people that are fans of the show Good Omens, they know that Crowley and Aziraphale share, like, they share a love story. The show is partially about them saving the world together, but it's also their love story whether that be romantic or platonic, however you want to interpret it. But the people that think, like, some people think that the show is queer-baiting. Like, the story is queer-baiting. Which, if if you don't know what queer-baiting it is, ugh, sorry, if you don't know what queer-baiting is, queer-baiting is when writers of a show purposely write queer subtext they purposely write queer subtext into their shows in order to reach a bigger audience but those queer subtext that queer subtext and queer subplot it never really comes a, a part of the plot like it was never their intention for the show to be for people Queer people is just to attract queer people. People think that is what was happening with Good Omens. Which, I have many reasons why it is not. Because, first of all, let's look at what love means. Love can mean a lot of different things. Sure, Crowley and Aziraphale aren't making out across scenes. Because... Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't happen. Well, not yet, anyway. If you catch what I'm saying. But. It's. They could have been. There are many other ways that you could have interpreted their love story. They could have been in love as, like. They could have been in love as best friends. They could have been in love with best friends. There's nothing else to it. Their best friends can share a much can share a deep love for each other. Almost as much as people who are in romantic in love with each other can. There you don't have to be in romantic love with someone to love them as much as you know what I mean? Yeah. 
you know what I mean. I'm j- I don't know who I'm talking to. Just myself, probably. And Phoebe. Because I know you're maybe listening to this. Because you're going to freak out when I tell you. Haha. <laughs> but another thing. Neil Gaiman would never do that. I feel like he's a very progressive writer. Most people, like... Most people from his era, most writers from the same, from around the same years as him, I'd, I'd say they, their books, like their stories and their characters aren't as modern, not modern, like progressive, like I said earlier, a few seconds ago, progressive as in like accepting and writing Queer stories. Um, another thing that helped with Neil Gaiman's progressiveness is that he wrote this book. His the Good Omens book was published in 1990. It was written in the 1980s by him and Terry Pratchett. Um, but the show came out three year, almost four years ago, in 2019. So. He really wrote Good Omens twice. He wrote it back in the 1980s, and then he wrote it again in 2019. So he had a lot of time to develop his progressiveness. Is there a synonym for progressiveness that I can use? I'm Googling this now. Synonym for progressive. develop no none of these feel right he had a lot of time to work on it he had a lot of time to learn about queer culture and how to write better stories like that and correct me if i'm wrong i haven't seen sandman yet the sandman but i'm pretty sure the sandman has queer subtext in it too if not front text which is a word i invented two seconds ago Oh, text. Wait, no. I don't know. What word would I use here? I don't know, actually. But he's wrote many stories. Like, he's well accomplished Neil Gaiman. He's wrote a lot of characters. And he's quite famous, if you think about it. And being that famous, you don't really want to get cancelled, I don't think. Cancelled by any community. Especially the queer community, because we can be vicious. Maybe he was protecting himself. No, wait. He might be protecting himself, but I don't think so. I feel like he just likes writing stories. He wants to reach as many people as possible. Because Good Omens isn't well known. Like, I've asked many people if they know what the show or the book, know about the show or the book, and they don't. They don't know, like, they don't know the book. Maybe a few people my mom's age from back in the 80s and 90s, maybe. But Good Omens doesn't, 
Maybe, actually, I'm not sure. I am from the U.S., and I do live in California. Oh my god, I sound like such a podcaster again. I sound so full of myself. Oh my god. Maybe, I'm guessing it has a bigger audience in the U.K. and over in Europe. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm guessing it has a bigger audience there. But over here, I mean, most people don't know about it. Most people don't know what I'm talking about when I ask them, Oh, have you seen? Have you read Good Omens? Maybe he's not trying to reach a big audience. Like, yeah. So maybe he wanted his stories to be a bit more intimate and more meaningful to the people that actually do know about it. One thing that I do is when, when I, it's really, really mean of me, it's like, it's, it's quite odd of me to do this, but when I watch or read or like learn about a new piece of media, like a show or a book, fandom, series, not series, and it's, I'm really, I'm a really big fan of it. I don't want anyone else to know. This was especially... I especially did this back in, like, elementary and middle school. Because I did not want people to know about Harry Potter. I was the Harry Potter kid in my elementary school. Because I was, like, obsessed. And no one else my age had really read Harry Potter. I, I, I believe I had hyperlexia, which is reading at a much higher level than your age group would normally do. Um, I didn't want anyone to know, because I wanted it to be special for myself. Maybe that's what Neil Gaiman was trying to do. He wanted the stories he, write, he wrote, the story of Good Omens he wrote, To be special to as many, to be special to a specific group of people instead of everyone. Because if it was special to everyone, then it wouldn't be special, you know? And Crowley and Aziraphale, back to Crowley and Aziraphale, they are in love. There's no denying it. Ask Michael Sheen and David Tennant. They, they're very... They will defend that plot. They'll defend that statement with their lives. Michael Sheen, he's constantly talking about... Oh my god. Oh my god. The, I won't try. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend Michael Sheen. He's the best person ever. He always says, Oh yeah, Crowley and Aziraphale are in love. Their, their, their bond, the bond they share, so special, you know, stuff like that. Maybe they aren't having sex every episode, and maybe they aren't kissing. Maybe they aren't even holding hands, but do they have to do that to be in love? Is there a requirement for love? Anyway, yeah. That's it.
Is there a requirement for love? Okay, so I just realized that sounds kind of stupid. But, you know, it's whatever. Because I'm wrapping this up now. There are my thoughts about that. Okay, thank you for visiting Gabville. Bye!